1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska
2: athletics. Yeah, it's very hard, especially guys for me. You know, want more film out there for the NFL scouts and stuff like that. But other than that,
3: it is what it is. But we got to, we got to change that. you know, that's something we got to change here, deep inside here. You know, like it's a culture thing. We got to change it. Was that a culture
0: moment in the program, just like some guys didn't want to play? Some, didn't. some yeah, guys
3: are yeah. They didn't want to play. Some guys didn't want to play. Some guys opted out. Some guys, you know, so, but hey, do
2: do what's best for them. But other than that. I mean, you got to put all things in perspective with Corona and how long and with no breaks, how long we've been working and all of that. But at the end
1: of the day, it's still football. And At the end of the day, you should be wanting to get better each and every day. Even every opportunity you
3: should want to take in to get better during that opportunity and maximizing your potential during that opportunity.
0: And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. We are almost two weeks through spring practice and a lot of interesting stuff this week. We talked with Mario Verduzco for the first time since early October. I think October 8th was the first time, last time he had talked to media. So uh, had some interesting uh, conversations with him. Quarterback Adrian Martinez here for the first time since the Rutgers game in, in uh, New Jersey that night. Uh, But you just heard Deontay Williams and Markel DeSmuke, Nebraska's two six-year senior safeties, both fathers, both seasoned veterans that have been around the block, um, share some thoughts and perspective on that bowl game process. Just the way the 2020 season ended, um, it was definitely a split room with about wanting to play another football game. And obviously we know what happened. Um, They decided not to play in a bowl game, and that was not a unanimous decision. In fact, I think more guys wanted to play, but there were enough loud voices that did not want to play. And a lot of those guys aren't even here anymore in this program. Um, And you heard some of these older six-year seniors say it was very disappointing. It was a culture moment. And you get the sense, um, and Nate, you were over with Ty Robinson. He kind of said "You know, the culture's never been better because a lot of the guys that were – you know that might have had their own personal agendas um, that you know didn't want to play because they wanted to be home for Christmas or didn't want to play because they weren't going to be the starters or you know didn't want to play because they wanted to get ready for the NFL a week longer or just different personal reasons that they didn't want to play in a bowl game. Um, a lot of that's gone and and you, you feel like this team has tried to move forward from really what was a low low moment in Nebraska football this past December.
3: Yeah, it really was, and it, Ty Ty basically said, you know he. He was, yeah, he was happy to see his family, but he much ra- would have rather seen his family, you know, at a bowl game destination than, than going home uh, to to Arizona to see his family over the holidays. So, uh, but and he, and he said, you know, the the culture is finally to where they've been saying it's it's was supposed to be from the beginning is as I think is how he phrased it, and um, you know, and it's kind of I think. Spelling it out pretty clear that hey, you know, the, some of the some of the people that were kind of holding that culture back are, are no longer a part of the program.
2: Well, and it lines up with you know some of the the rumors we'd heard shortly after the season that there was a pretty fractured disconnect there between the, the players themselves, where you had guys that just had their own priorities and clearly uh, had uh, other things they were focusing on as opposed to you know the playing one more game with their team and going to a bowl game, and you know, when I guess there's something to be said, if you got guys that are that kind of checked out, you know, maybe going to a bowl game, isn't a great idea, but clearly there were a lot of guys that felt very differently about that opportunity. And, um, you know, maybe that can kind of be one of those, you know, come to Jesus moments where, you know, you kind of look at yourself and say, you know, what are we doing here? What's our goal? And if everybody's pulling the rope the same way, it's amazing how far they can take you.
0: And now, uh, Kate Warner, a captain a year ago is now at Kansas state. Matt Farniak could have come back another year, um, went to the NFL. He was a captain. And, you know, I, I think some of these offensive captains, Luke McCaffrey wasn't, you know, he you know, Adrian Martinez may not have been able to play in a bowl game, and McCaffrey could have played, but he was opting out. He knew he was going to leave. He didn't want to play. And, and Wandale. that was a, Wandale obviously knew he yep. was leaving town. So it really put things in a tough perspective. Uh moving forward here now to what we've seen over two weeks, big news this week out of practice. Marquis Step Injures his foot, and this kind of adds to a list of injuries that goes back to his junior year of high school. He's had hamstring. He's had a concussion. He's had a foot, an ankle, um, multiple injuries, and this one really raises another red flag on step his durability. He's out for the spring. He's going to have surgery. Um, Scott Frost said that he should be back um, for summer training here, so we'll see where that goes. But it's an early red flag, and I'll tell you what, that running back room Ramir Johnson wasn't practicing right now. Um, I didn't see Ronald Tompkins at all. I didn't see Sevion Morrison. Um, so, it, it, a lot of questions for me right now with running back here early in the spring.
2: Well, and it's especially big question mark now because Step was the one guy I think we all just assumed was going to be your number one. You know, your your workhorse guy, and then it was the the the. Question after that was who's going to fill out the rest of the rotation? Well, you know, now we'll see on that. We'll see what happens when you got a guy that already had a pretty lengthy injury history that's already, you know, going to sit out the spring uh, with, a, with a new injury. I mean, that's, that's definitely a cause for concern. And now uh, you got to take a much closer look at the rest of that running back room and see who is going to step up and become the type of running back that Nebraska needs, the one that they can give the ball you know, 20, 25 times and and run between the tackles and be able to hold up over the course of the season uh, in the Big Ten. They haven't had that guy in in a long time. And, you know, until they do, the running back is kind of going to be stuck in neutral or the running game is going to be stuck in neutral a little bit. And um, I think that this, this step news, while they don't seem, you know, overly concerned about it, I would probably put it in the in the back burner there is something to keep a very close eye on over the course of the off season.
3: I, I think it's worth definitely keeping a close eye on. i you that was one position I think we all agreed that needed um to to answer some questions this spring and and you know now i'm not saying that they aren't going to be able to answer any questions but uh, i think that a week week and a half into things you're you're asking more than than anything has even been remotely answered so um you know maybe maybe a newcomer like gabe irvin is is somebody that can that can go ahead and take a hold of that uh, while step is out but i mean it's just to me it's it's kind of fascinating how uh the the narrative went from uh ryan held having for the first time in his career since he's been in nebraska uh, his entire running back group uh, you know, healthy and, and on campus for spring football, and all of a sudden,
0: from Monday to Wednesday, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. And then we go we go and watch things on Wednesday, and like three quarters of the room is is either not there or not in pads practicing. So I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of questions there, and uh, there's probably no other position on the team that's got more questions than running back. Right and
0: now. brings me to my next topic here: Omar Manning in street clothes again. Um, It's my understanding I didn't practice Monday either. So that's another one we'll keep watching. Um, I think we've all said, you know, the biggest key is can he practice all 15 times? Well, we know that's not going to happen. And, you know, whatever he's been dealing with since last year, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, it's personal, um, you know, it's clearly not all the way fixed, whatever's going on there. And um, that was a concern for me seeing no Omar Manning out there for Nebraska.
2: I mean, for me, I'm to the point where until he's actually on the field and I can see him play and he's playing meaningful snaps or reps and practice, whatever it may be. I mean, it's hard to even consider him a factor in the receiver rotation right now, just because he's just kind of been this unicorn for the last two years that, you know, he's this great talent, but he just can't stay on the field for whatever reason. And, you know, obviously those reasons are still Kind of lingering issues right now that, you know, I guess kind of until those get cleared up, it's just hard to consider him a a viable option at receiver right now. And it seems like they feel pretty good about the receiver depth they have coming up. Uh, But, you know, as far as Omar Manny's concerned, I need to see it before I believe it.
0: And Nate, some six-year seniors not practicing right now. Either Will Honis has got a growing injury. Jojo Doman, I believe, had a wrist-type cleanup injury done. And Ben Stilley had an off-season surgery. So... You know, three guys that are pretty much twenty-four-year-old type players. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be too alarmed. They're not practicing right now.
3: No, they—they've been in the system a long time. They—they've been through many spring football. Uh, camps, and, and you know, I don't know if, if any of those guys necessarily needed the extra reps or anything. So, and, and honestly, it's probably one of those deals where, had they been perfectly healthy, they, they may not have gotten a ton of reps anyway. I, I think it's good for some of these younger guys to be able to get in there and get some reps. So, obviously, you want everyone healthy, but um, you know, I don't know if it's all that concerning that these guys are out right now. All right, we're going to talk
0: offense, we're going to talk Adrian Martinez and Mario Verduzco, and much more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online show.
1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: I, I think anytime uh, you have, a, from his perspective, a setback like that, and you don't learn from it, there, there's, there's, there's a problem. We had a, a good heart-to-heart, and so I, I, I think he grew a lot as a quarterback. He's a pretty mature young guy to begin with from a behavior standpoint, just how he, how he uh, carries himself, you know. Uh, Does that always translate over to how you are as a quarterback? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, So I think he learned quite a bit from that experience.
0: And welcome back here to the Hans Online Show. That was quarterbacks coach Mario Verduzco. It's the first time we've heard from Coach Verduzco since October 8th, as we never even talked to him after the decision was made to start Luke McCaffrey, number one, then go back to Adrian Martinez. Um, So it it was good to hear Coach Verduzco share his thoughts This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our favorite sports bar, Tanner's in Lincoln, 31st, and Yankee Hill. Robin, you were in there for uh, the championship game on Monday night. Uh, Got got to watch uh, some of the new TVs there in Tanner's.
2: Yeah, uh, the setup was great. the The atmosphere was fun. The game, uh, I mean, I guess outside of Baylor, completely the wings were much left better. A than the bit game. to be desired, but yeah, yeah. All, all in all, a good experience.
0: So get on into Tanner's. I was actually in there for lunch Friday as well on Good Friday with uh, good friend Parker Gabriel from Journal Star. had had some uh, shrimp. Um, for for lunch there at Tanner. So get on in there, 31st and Yankee Hill Road. They get all the Husker baseball games on. They'll have all the NCAA volleyball on. It is your premier place to watch Husker games. But I want to get back to Mario Verduzco. You heard him there talk about that decision. Number one, he said, this was not my decision. Coach Frost makes these decisions. Um, I get the sense all along he wasn't hundred percent all in that they should have went to McCaffrey number one as the starter last year, and as we know, they shouldn't have gone to McCaffrey as a starter last year. As his game against Illinois might have been one of the worst quarterback played games we've seen at Nebraska in a number of years, other than Andrew Bunch, and it's hard to count that game um, because that was a whole different context and situation compared to McCaffrey and Martinez. Um, and he, he, you know, he said he was emotional talking about that decision and how Adrian handled it, uh, but in the end, I think it has made him stronger and more mature and you sense he's kind of gristled now I mean he he is he's been around the block he's taken the beating from the fans the social media the twitter the talk radio and I mean, he's not—he's not up there to be anyone's buddy anymore. It, It's—he's it, kind of got a little bit of an edge to him now.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. Somebody um, on our weekly RSS chat asked about, you know, whether Adrian did have—it seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder—and if that was going to be a motivator or a hindrance to where you know he starts, uh, you know, taking a negative route. Well. And all I can say is the guy that's his head coach right now had a pretty big chip on his shoulder when he played, and and that worked all right. So maybe this is the best thing where Adrian's trying to not worried about having everybody like him and just going out there and and playing football. Sometimes that's the kind of approach you need to take, especially at that position at a program like this. I mean, you're going to get your... Your share of criticism, fair or not, in everything that happens with this team, and clearly Adrian has experienced that to the fullest extent. And now he's just kind of—he's not going to go out the, out of his way to, you know, be, you know, overly accommodating or or anything like that. Uh, he's he's all business, and I think that's the right mentality to to, to be successful in in as a quarterback at Nebraska. You kind of got to have a, a bit of an edge to you, and I think Adrian's finally starting to get that.
3: Well, yeah, and I, I look at it as something that can be a positive thing. And, and it's because Adrian's ma- uh, mature, like Verdusco was saying in the open there. Um, you know when when something like that happens to you a lot of guys are either going to throw it in and and shut down or they're going to kind of take a step back and 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 learn from the situation and and try to try to get better and and use it as fuel to to get better and and I think Adrian's mature enough that he he understands you know that uh, he needed to be better and I think he understands that you know some of the criticism he, he's received is is probably warranted, um, but I think he can also use some of that criticism as as a little fuel on the fire, and and he does have a little bit of an edge now, and um, and, and really use the whole situation as something to to get better and and to to kind of you know go out um, go out a winner. Uh, it's been it's been a. Uh, an interesting career for him so far, considering how he started to where he's at. And I, and I think that uh, no one would want to, you know, kind of correct that more than he would.
0: And sticking on quarterback guys here, obviously we know Martinez is the guy. I mean, if he plays to his capability, he can be as good as any quarterback in this conference right now. And, and I mean, I I truly believe that, but obviously it's a big if, Uh, but after Martinez, You get the sense nobody right now is just jumping out of their chair to drive the Logan Smothers bandwagon quite yet. And uh, you've got Heinrich Heinrich Harburg, um, who's looked impressive physically. In fact, I think we've heard a little bit more just back channel talk about him at this point than Smothers. So I don't want to say it's a concern, but... Is it a concern that we haven't heard just the glowing, wow, Logan Smothers is definitely looking promising for the future yet talk? And um, there's obviously a lot of time left from now until whenever. But I would hope that we hope can hear some promising reviews about this kid uh, to kind of solidify what this position is going to be depth-wise.
2: Yeah, and I think that kind of says everything you need to know about just kind of where the quarterback situation is right now. That. I mean, Adrian is fully entrenched and we knew that, but it seems like there's a pretty significant gap between him and the rest of the room, which going into the spring, one of the biggest dominoes we, we needed to see fall was how that quarterback depth would emerge. Over spring ball and if it doesn't get to the point where they feel comfortable and either of those guys is the clear number two is a transfer quarterback uh, a viable option i think right now it's looking more and more likely by the day especially with like you said just the the lack of but can uh, it just be anybody
0: i i just it's easy to say take a transfer but you're not just going to take like a random Juco guy that you know will never start at Nebraska
2: well, you could take somebody that's played in a you know, power five football game or anything like that right now, just the, the lack of experience they have behind Adrian is a, a big concern, especially because Adrian has yet to make it through a full season. And so you cannot count on him to be uh, the guys playing every snap. You have to have a number two, ready to play and carry the offense if needed. And so uh, do they feel that the, that player is on the roster right now? I guess we'll see. It's still very early. There's still a lot of time for those guys to develop, but uh, you know, if, if things aren't where they need to be coming out of spring, you know, I, I would not be surprised if a transfer target quarterback is on the table.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not ready to make any snap judgments right now. You know, considering that we've only talked with the the coaching staff a, a handful of times or whatever, it's still pretty early. But uh, but you're right. I, I think you do have to kind of operate under the assumption that that Adrian Martinez is going to, you know, miss at least part of a game at some point throughout the season. And, and, you know, is the quarterback that uh, that is capable of kind of picking up that slack on the roster or, or do you need to look elsewhere for it? So, you know, that's, that's the question that that has got to be asked and, and, uh, and answered. And right now, I think that's very much up in the air still.
0: You're listening here to the Husker online show as we talk uh, spring positional battles. um, But, You know, this offensive line, I I want to close on this quickly, guys. I will say the offensive line is young right now for Nebraska, but, boy, just eyeball test when you look at Turner Corcoran, Bryce Benhart, even young Teddy Prohaska out there at practice Wednesday and where they're going. I'm excited about that group and what that looks like for Nebraska here
2: early on this spring. especially i mean they fit the mold physically of kind of the new nebraska offensive line but you know there's a lot of young talent that i think is right on the cusp of really taking a, a pretty big jump and they have a a uh, really co- good core group there that they can build around for not only next season, this coming season, but, uh, for the next couple of years to come. And that's where it starts. When you start developing a true pipeline, uh, we all know how much that can change an offense.
3: Yeah. it's, it, they all, they all look the part and they're they're young and talented and they're going to be in the program for, for several years, years to come. I, I think that is definitely a position group that is, it's exciting to, to kind of watch and follow as these guys continue to progress.
0: All right, when we come back, we're going to shift our discussion over to the defense where a newcomer named Chris Kalarovic out of Northern Iowa has turned some heads already. We'll discuss that and much more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: I love when you get former players, especially really successful former players, just get different perspectives. Because everybody sees the game a little bit different. You know, I'm a football historian guy. I, I grew up around it. Um, I love hearing, I don't want to call Jay and Jason, Jay and, uh, Jason old guys, but I like hearing old guys' stories. Um, and, and like I said, all those guys have played a lot of football. And not only did they play here as black shirts, but each of them played in the NFL for a variety of coaches. So they got they got a different perspective, and I think that's always good when they can talk to talk to guys about you know their background and, and different things they've seen. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was linebackers coach Barrett Rue discussing having. Jason Peter and Jay Foreman around and and we saw them out there Wednesday at, at practice um, having a presence and they've been around all offseason um in their volunteer roles, um, however you want to phrase what they're doing um with the program, but they are around and have a presence. Um, and you know, guys, I want to get on the defense right away here. Um, you know, this is a group that's fairly established. I don't think there's a lot of major questions. Yes, we have to figure out who one cornerback is going to be and rotations and whatnot but I'll tell you I think one of the bigger early storylines at least to me has been the emergence of Northern Iowa transfer Chris Kolarovic right away and Luke Reimer talked about just what he's brought to the table how he's fit in and he said he's played a lot of football he brings really good habits meaning he knows how to do treatment on his body he does the right things off the field um, on the weekends. I mean, that was about the most politically correct way to say he does not go to the Russian bottoms house parties. Like we probably did in college on the weekends. Um, He's making the right choices. Um, But I think he's fit right in. And, you know, Nate, this was a story you reported way back when, when it happened. um, And and nobody really knew what to expect, but I I think when you look for a transfer portal guy, this, this is what you look for.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, this is a guy who was, has been very productive at, at Northern Iowa. Was an All Conference player. Was probably in line to be you know defensive player of the year. Um, you know, had, had they played last season. And so, um, you know, given the fact that he got a free year, decided to go ahead and, and you know, test his luck at, at moving up a level. And, and so far I think that's, you know, I think it's going to turn out to be a pretty good uh, gamble on yourself. He's going to have two years at Nebraska. And, you know, the way that Barrett Roode and these guys are talking about him, he's fit, fit in seamlessly. He's all business. And, uh, you know, he, he, he knows the game of football. He loves the game of football. And, you know, he pretty much – when I talked with him when he committed, he's like – he goes, I'm kind of a boring guy. I, I eat, breathe, and sleep football. That's – I just love football. and. You know I, I think that's pretty much a coach's dream if if you ask any of these guys you know what's your what's your perfect player that's it's probably you know
2: describe someone like chris klorovic Cl- well that's why barrett rude called him a natural football player because of all those things you mentioned the guy loves football and you remember when these staff took over like that was one of the biggest priorities they wanted to find in recruiting was people players that loved the game not just the celebrity status and all that stuff that came with it but just loved the sport of football and I think uh, Klarovic definitely fits that mold I mean he's uh, all business like you mentioned he's uh, one of the best workout guys that they have you look at his testing scores or the the numbers they put out he scored as high as anybody on the team Uh, and so physically he's ready to go right now Barrett said uh, or Coach Root said basically that the only thing that he's doing now is just mastering the schemes and you know the different terminology and to an extent adjusting to the speed of the power five level compared to fcs i mean there's a bit of an adjustment there but uh you know barrett rube didn't seem all that concerned about him being ready to make an immediate impact this season i love the pause that we all have before we say
0: Kalorvik's name like yeah. we all have this like <laughs> am i gonna say it? Kalorvik. Some, it sometimes we butcher names so you we gotta well, make sure that we really get it done. and Tory, um, like some people really over like Samore tore, you know, like I mean tore, like some people over. really, really like get into like Samore tore, like when like and I, I'm I'm just kind of like Tory or Torrey, but it, it, yeah, it's it's I, I, I digress here on the podcast <laughs> on the show, but um, looking at this defense, Ben Stilly out, Joe Joe Dolman out, we hit on that earlier, um, but it's really going to give now on the defensive line. Even more repetition, more opportunity. Maybe a Marquise Black, maybe a Nash Hutmacher. You know, some of these younger Buckley. um, And you talk about freshmen that looked the part. Holy cow, Mm -hmm. Um, Raquan Buckley. um, You know, came in at least physically looking the part, ready to go and. Um, It will be interesting to see what kind of repetition opportunities these guys can get.
2: Well, that's going to be the story of the offseason for that D-line. I mean, with as much depth and returning experience that they have, even with Ben Stilley out uh, with his injury, uh, reps are gold for that group right now. And, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, Casey Rogers basically said it best. He said, you know, I love Ty Rogers to death. Like, he's one of my best friends. But I want every one of his reps. I want, I want to get every rep that I possibly can, no matter what the cost. And it's not just a matter of cycling in for your turn. You got to earn those reps, especially with the top groups. I mean, uh, those are as valuable of a commodity as they've been in some time on the defensive line. And that level of competition, as we all know, is only going to breed a culture of success uh, with that group with not only are they talented and they have a lot of bodies to work with, but. Every one of those guys is pushing each other to be as perfect as possible in the limited opportunities they get to to be on the field with practice reps.
3: Yeah, well and when Ty Robinson would say the same thing that mm-hmm. he wants all of Casey Rogers' reps and and so on and so forth. And um, you know, the, the encouraging thing is is that it's that that's such a deep group. You can you can go on down the line. We're talking about two young players in Rogers and Robinson to begin with, but you could go, you know, on down the line. There's there's a lot of young guys that have uh, that are that are there that are impressing, um, you know that are also fighting for those reps too. So uh, that that defensive line, you know, they they are um, a, a young, talented, deep group. And uh, you listen to Tuioti talk too. I mean, they got a chip on their shoulder too. They they feel like, um, you know, they they are kind of taking it upon themselves to really uh, raise the level of of not only the defense but the team as a whole. They want to accomplish great things. They want to live up to the. Number Nebraska standard and um, they're kind of taking it personally. And
0: I want to close here, guys, with special teams. Uh, I know it's not defense, but obviously a lot of defensive guys are going to play a key factor. And and you hope that's the case instead of having Cade Warner running down the field, trying to make tackles on Aaron Crookshanks in in New Jersey um, on kickoff returns. I mean, clearly the approach, as we know, was not the right approach. Um, And it's an emphasis. Mike Dawson has taken charge of it with Bill Bush behind the scenes. Um, kind of working with both defense and special teams as an analyst. Uh, But that, too, has become a priority. And I'll be curious just how many starters play on that. This team is deeper, um, and I I feel like they've gone back and forth. Is special teams an area to – bring up younger guys and develop them? Or should you just be putting your best guys out there? And I think they've battled with that a little bit.
2: Well, I want to say, like, when that four-game redshirt rule passed, like, this staff overthought that so much. And it was a lot of special teams. because They got they were, cute with it. Yeah, they were just, like, mixing and matching and piecing together different guys against different opponents for who they could get on the field to utilize those four games. And it almost became this hindrance to where they were spending so much of the week trying to figure out how to even assemble their personnel on special teams that – not only was it uh, taking away from their preparations in other regards, but it made special teams not as good because there was no chemistry. There was no cohesiveness. This will be your game. Exactly. And and this so, will be your game, Nate. I, hopefully they throw that philosophy out the window, set it on fire, and never look at it again uh, because they need to make special teams a essential priority. Uh, and I think that they've at least said all the right things that they're taking steps to do that.
3: Yeah, In my opinion, it should be no different than – the offensive line trying to find the five best offensive exactly. linemen the defensive you know secondary trying to find the the, the four or five best dbs back there uh, regardless of, of what position they play i mean special teams should be comprised of the best players that are going to help you win the football game point, point you know period and and i think that hopefully that's that's kind of what's taking place here whether that's you know a starter on offense or defense uh, or if that is a you know a newcomer that um, you know, has kind of carved out a niche as being somebody who can make an early impact on special teams. It, it's got to be, you know, comprised of players that give you the best chance to, to win that phase of the football game.
0: All right, guys, we've been heavy with spring football talk, but there's been a lot that's gone on, not only with football recruiting, but also basketball. And Robin Washed in our next segment here is going to get us caught up to date. There's been a new coach hired, a new recruit added. So lots to hit on here with Robin Washington. And by the way, Tim Miles landed a new job, and we'll hit on all those things next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, uh, Robin Watchett, talking Nebraska basketball now as it's it's been a busy week, Robin, as um, the Huskers have gotten a seven-footer. They added a new coach. And our good friend Tim Miles landed a job at San Jose State.
2: Where do you want to start first? let's start with the coaching staff um you know obviously they hired a new full-time assistant Nate Lesnar who or Lenzer I should say Lenzer he is a former longtime uh assistant under Fred Hoiber going back to their days at Iowa State and then again as a full-time assistant with the Chicago Bulls when Fred was there and then once uh you know Fred left or got fired uh Uh, He took over as the head coach of their um, G League team, the the Windy City Bulls, and then also was the coach of the Chicago Summer League team. So he's got a long resume of high-level basketball coaching experience, and um, Fred has not uh, been minced words when he called him uh, the best developmental coach he'd ever worked with, and that says a lot. And his track record speaks to that, especially when you see... The comments being made by guys he worked with at the highest level in the nba uh i mean it seems like every per, every player that's had the opportunity to work with nate lenzer uh just raves about what he's been able to do to individually impact their game and and make them better players so uh it's a a great hire for nebraska and then the cherry on top is that they get to keep doc Sadler on staff so basically Nate is replacing Doc as a one of the three full-time assistants, and Doc is moving into that uh, special assistant to the head coach role previously held by Bobby Lutz, who moved on to pursue a, a full-time coaching job. So basically, he's going to be on staff. He's not going to take any pay cut whatsoever, and he can just do what is in Doc's wheelhouse. where he No just, travel, he, no recruiting. No travel, no recruiting, doesn't even have to really do much. And
0: with COVID, he, he really obviously was very concerned. Yeah, they
2: took him off the road for basically – after they came back from the shutdown just out of He didn't travel to caution, any road games. No. And you know, he wasn't even on the bench during uh the home games either. They had he was at the arena, but he and Bobby uh Lutz who are both over sixty and were kinda in that uh high, high risk range. Neither of those
0: guys contracted COVID, right?
2: Yeah. Those are two of the I mean basically the, two survived. the entire tier one personnel group for Nebraska got it. But luckily those two are not them. So uh, they get to keep him and his wealth of knowledge and experience and defensive mind. So he'll still be heavily involved in game planning and scouting uh, on the defensive side. And then they get that on-court development uh, coach in Nate Lenzer, who, like I said, is uh, you know as as well-regarded as you're going to find in that assistant coach ranks.
0: Yeah. So in basketball, you have the two full-time coaches, but Sadler's kind of like the fourth. But
2: yeah, there's three full-time assistants, and then you can have an Ar- analyst Armon role. Gates is on there too. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It's, it's
0: Gates, Abdelmassi, this new guy they just hired Lenzer. yeah. Linser, and then Doc is kind of like the additional assistant coach. Just can't recruit.
2: Yeah. Basically, he's like Bill Bush. To where he can do all the stuff in the meeting rooms, film rooms, all that stuff, but on court instruction and on the practice court, and then uh, recruiting. He doesn't go on the road recruiting.
0: All right. Next order of business Nebraska gets a commitment robin, um, this time uh, from an overseas prospect out of Lithuania. Is it Oleg? Oleg Koyanets.
2: Oleg Koyanets. Okay. Koyanets. All right. Say it. Koyanets? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll work on it. Oleg Koyanets. Yes. He is a 2021, uh, high school recruit out of Lithuania. He was at Western reserve Academy in Ohio this past season. Uh, and yeah, I mean, first thing that jumps out seven foot. Uh, but really when you watch the, the little bit of film that's out there on him and, and read some of the scouting reports, uh, from people that have actually seen him play, uh, he's a skilled seven foot. Uh, he's got a, a nice touch around the rim. He's coordinated. Uh, he can handle the ball pretty well. He can face up, uh, you know, uh, with the basket and and make plays on the perimeter. And so he fits the mold of what Fred wants in his bigs. He doesn't want the big lumbering, you know, guy that can only shoot within three feet of the basket. He wants versatility. And I think long term, Oleg fits that bill. Now he's still very. I guess you could say raw, just because he's only played one year of American basketball. And in that one year last season, he played nine games because their, their school schedule was basically cut short because of COVID. So, uh, you know, his, his development has still got a ways to go, which is why I think it's likely in an ideal situation. He red shirts next year, um, to give him not only an opportunity to, to bulk up, he's only about 220 ish pounds. So he could stand to put on a little bit of muscle, but also just acclimate to the college game, the American college game at the big 10 level. And just living in another country, you know, being on his own, you know, at, at the university i think just having a year to get his feet under him would be a huge asset for him and again nebraska's in a situation with their scholarships that they don't have to have him play now obviously injuries could pop up or, or whatever and he might be forced in the lineup but i think the plan right now is all if all goes uh, accordingly he will redshirt and be ready to roll in 22 23 and he's how old 18 19 yeah yeah high, high school 2003 so 18 and, you know, what's
0: interesting to me, Robin, in the history of Nebraska basketball, since Rich King, who was an NBA draft pick out of Omaha, they've only had two recruits. And that was the early 90s when Rich King played that were seven foot or taller. And he, he's the second. I mean, it's it's yeah. been a rarity to get a seven footer at Nebraska.
2: And, you know, I mean, they've had some 6'11 guys. Like which, Marich. You know, Brandon
0: Ubell. Mikey you know. Moore was listed at 6'11". NBA had him at seven foot on his on
2: his yeah. Wikipedia.
0: Page, so, so it's you know it's all relevant. But it's, it's I mean it's they, they haven't had a lot of these
2: guys though. Yeah, and especially ones that did anything. I mean, they had Sergey Vucevic who <laughs> Vucevic. Sheng Ping did yeah. Sheng Ping ever make it here? Uh, no, no, he did not. Uh, he played
0: at Washburn, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, he played games, but he he did not have a successful career. But uh, <laughs> I mean, so they've had guys that have, are big, you know, and c- could have been that type of player, but. They just weren't any good. And so this is the hope that, um, you know, with his skill set that he already has, once you give him a, a year or two to get his body to where it needs to be at uh, the Big Ten level, I mean, there's a lot of potential there with Oleg Koganitz. And then lastly, our good friend Tim Miles gets a job at San Jose
0: State. Um, why this job, Robin? Any idea on the contract, any, any of the numbers um, and I assume Nebraska is done paying him anyway. I mean, does this yeah. affect anything with Nebraska or, you know, the, the buyouts? Because his contract never really got extended anyway, so he didn't have a lot of years nope. that Nebraska owed him.
2: Last month was the last check he got from Nebraska. So it's not a surprise good that, timing. Yeah, that he quickly jumped on getting a job. Uh, but, you know, this was something that you know, he'd been wanting to get into coaching. He'd said that publicly, you know, on his podcast and all that stuff that, Uh, and obviously he was directly tied to the New Mexico job that was open that a lot of people thought he was the front runner. And then, you know, old Richard Pitino got in there and, uh, kind of took that from under him. So I think he, obviously he wanted a job, but he's been very picky, you know, from, from the jump on this, he wasn't going to just take a job just to take it. Uh, he wanted to find the right fit, not only for himself, but for his family as well. Like well, he and interviewed
0: so, for Cal way back when when he yeah, first got fired. Yeah, but it
2: was kind of one of those deals where they, they did the interview his, yeah, and it, it just never really got much further. So, uh, you know, I mean, he'd had his name linked to a lot of jobs. Utah State after Craig Smith left. Uh, I know that was one. Uh, and so, you know, there, there were opportunities, but none of them really got that far and he was outside never going, that New Mexico job.
0: He was never going back to the Dakotas. I don't think so, like, no. They can't pay enough.
2: And the Mountain West, I think, he, that's his wheelhouse. I mean, because it's it's a place where he's obviously— Is that obviously, under a million? Um, it probably, yeah, especially with San Jose State's budget. Even though they're really uh, kind of revamping their commitment to athletics, You know, their football program has taken a nice step forward, and they're putting a lot of money back into basketball, obviously, making this type of hire. So this is a, a coach that has made his career off building programs. And so what better place to do that than— Uh, you know, a a hungry uh, athletic department that wants to invest in basketball. And they got a guy that is going to make San Jose State a national topic of conversation. Now, Jeff Goodman, uh, you know, Jeff Borzello, Rob Doster, all those guys that the national basketball writers out there, they're going to be talking about San Jose State because of Tim Miles. And so uh, if nothing else, uh, San Jose State accomplished that to put themselves on the radar.
0: Yeah, I've been able to find what the salary was that he's going to get paid out there.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's been publicly announced as of as of taping time.
0: So, we'll see where that goes, but excited for Tim Miles um there'll be far less fewer stories uh, told now in the 19th hole golf rooms at the uh, Firethorn and the Lincoln Country Club. For sure. So, uh, he, just, he, he he was I mean, b- people around town really enjoyed Tim Miles. I mean, he, he oh, was yeah. very present in the community um on the golf courses just I mean, he was he was as approachable of a head coach as really we've ever seen in Nebraska.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, it, it, it wasn't anything about what him or anything. It's just the fact he didn't win enough. And so uh last couple housekeeping items, Nebraska has uh, turn, currently two open scholarships as it stands. I still expect one more departure from the roster. I think it's just a matter of when, not so if it's going to So two open with the departure or would it be three? Without, without. 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 So, so it would be three. After the departure, they would have three. And then I expect one more addition. And I um, have hinted on it a bunch uh, on, on the Red Sea. Scrolls uh, should expect something here relatively soon with that addition, and then after that is official, I expect Nebraska to not add any more players. I think they're going to stick with two open scholarships in their back pocket and roll with the guys they have. Because keep in mind, uh, they have two seniors, Kobe Webster and Trevor Lakes, that are on scholarship but don't count count towards their 13 scholarship limit.
0: All right, well, lots to keep up on, and as Robin hinted, he's got some information on potentially another name. Make sure you log on to Husker Online and the Red Sea Scrolls as. We will have all that info. All right. When we come back, we will close the show football recruiting talk. Now as Nebraska added two commits in the week, we'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on that. Next. You're listening here to the Husker online show.
1: This is Husker online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: You got to do what's best for you. I respect their decision. Um, I will say I'm, I'm happy with the guys that we got here. And um, excited about the group and that includes the receivers and that includes the quarterback room. I wish them the best because I think the both of them are, are good football players, but good people too. And I enjoyed being friends with them and, and the time we, we shared here. So best of luck to them and, and no hard feelings on, on my end.
0: Final segment here, of the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus talking recruiting. That was Adrian Martinez is sharing some thoughts on Luke McCaffrey and Wondell Robinson as both those guys have gone their own ways to Louisville and Kentucky and uh, will play their college football elsewhere. But want to talk now recruiting with Nate as we've had a busy week, Nate. A um, couple of commits popped. Um, first here for the class of 2022, Victor Jones, a speedy wide receiver out of Orlando, Florida, who this coaching staff recruited all the way back at UCF. Um, big time surprise. I don't think anybody was expecting a commit to come from a guy that's never been in Nebraska before. Uh, but Jones jumps on it and decides to commit to the big red.
3: Yeah, it was, it, you know, the timing of it was certainly a surprise because he, you know, he was on the radar, but not necessarily on the radar in terms of being somebody who was close to making a decision or, or that had Nebraska as a clear cut favorite and was, you know, kind of um, you know, leaving signs out there that, that he could uh, potentially commit at any point in time, but um, so so the timing of it was was definitely a little bit of a surprise. But really, when you talk with Victor Jones about why he committed to Nebraska, it's pretty clear uh, that this it was just a matter of time because the relationships that he's developed with this coaching staff go all the way back to when he was a freshman in high school, and these coaches were back at UCF, you know, uh, back there in Orlando, where he's from, you know. He, uh they had offered him, uh, you know, when he was a freshman at Olympia High School there, he had been on campus and he's been around the staff, um, you know, and, and has developed those relationships over years. It, it wasn't a deal where you know, he's only gotten to know these guys over weeks or months or, or anything like that. You know, he's known these guys for years. Uh, when they came to Nebraska they they reoffered him and he fits the offense perfectly he's 6'2 185 pounds and can run he's somebody who's a big-time playmaker uh, you know on offense can do a lot of different things he's even a return guy on special teams so I mean he, he really kind of fits the mold of, of what they're looking for and Um, You know, it's pretty, I think, a sneaky good addition to the to this, uh, you know, 2022 class that now has two commits. And, and, you know, as we're getting closer and closer to that recruiting dead period ending uh, is really going to take off, I think. And
0: Nate, uh, track speed wise, I mean, he he's put up some times already, hasn't he?
3: Yeah, I mean, he he's just set a, a you know a PR in the hundred meters this past week. He's you know, I mean, he's he is a, a legit uh, track guy. Um, you know, it's not just you what did he run this weekend? You remember? I, I think it was in the 10-6. That's what I was going to say. So, yeah. Um, you know, so I mean, he's a guy that you know not, doesn't just look fast on film. Uh, And pulls away from people on film He's somebody who has verifiable uh, Speed on the track And so uh, and I think anytime you can combine that with uh, with someone who's you know 62 long armed guy that can go up and get a football, that's that's a pretty good combination. And these guys, these coaches, the thing is, is they know exactly what they're getting in this kid. Uh, it's not just kind of a, a late offer or fly by night deal. And I know there's a lot of reservations about you know another wide receiver, another skill guy from Florida. You know how's this going to work out? Well, I, I think you know from the people I've talked with, it's, it's different than than some of the guys from Miami that have left the program.
0: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk um, recruiting here um, with Nebraska Nate and still no word on you know what the visitor list might look like for the spring game there's also rumblings of maybe an open practice April 17th it's kind of been the trendy thing to do Kansas State you know last weekend had an open practice Um, it was their final practice it was a spring it wasn't a spring game it was a practice but they had nine offered recruits show up so these are happening everywhere, and I think Nebraska would like to find creative ways within the rules to get kids on campus.
3: Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. You, you know, K State's doing it, Missouri has done it, and so when you've got schools within your region, you know that are. You know, drivable distance away from you, uh, and, and they're getting offered scholarship guys. Uh, you know, on campus to to watch practice and kind of take an inside look at the program. I mean, I think you've got to find a way to do the same thing. So, you know, I'm anticipating that happening. You know, what it's going to look like, and or, or how many recruits are actually going to be able to show up for some of those things. That's still kind of up in the air. But we're talking to more and more kids that that is that have been telling us, "Yeah, uh, I'm planning on being on campus to do a, a self guided tour." Or, or, you know, I'm hoping to hit up a practice um, or, you know, I'm coming to the spring game. I'm going to buy a ticket to go to the spring game. And tickets
0: are about 25,000 or so have sold. So still, I think there was a fear, Nate, that the opening weekend, all these tickets would be sucked up and then there'd be no chance for recruits to buy. But that's not going to be the case. Um, They limited the number to four. There's no freebies for kids. Yep. Um, so when you look at an old spring game, when there were 70 thousand there might have been twenty or thirty thousand freebies in there or no shows combined. Um, and I, I think in this case, um, they should be able to get any kid in that wants to buy a ticket.
3: Yeah, and and for cheap too. I mean, probably five, ten bucks. Yeah, ten, five, ten bucks. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it's, they're, they're not breaking the bank, even though they got to pay, you know, their own travel and whatnot to, to get to campus. It's not going to be a deal where it's a high priced item. So, um, you know, so that, that is, that is good. Um, you know, and, and you, you kick off the, the 2023 recruiting class with an in-state commit and in, in Ben Bramer too. So, um, you know, recruiting's picking up and, and I think that the, you know, there's certainly some momentum that's starting to build there.
0: You're listening to the Husker Line Show as we talk recruiting here, Nate, uh, ben Bramer for 2023, the young tight end out of Pierce commits. He's the first commit out of Pierce all the way back to two thousand two when Matt Harrion was a commitment, who also played for Mark Bramer, Ben's father. I'm not even sure Ben was born um in two thousand
3: two. Nah, no, there's no way he was. So. I, I think Ben may have just turned sixteen or yeah. or, or is about ready to turn sixteen. So yeah, he was, he was not even born when, when Matt Herrian signed with Nebraska. It really
0: makes me feel old because I drove up to Pierce to interview Coach Bramer for Nebraska Sports Magazine about Matt Herrian back then. <laughs> His son wasn't even born yet. He's now going to Nebraska. <laughs> um, but, you know, just a, a no-brainer, 6'6", 200, runs well. He's got two older sisters that are volleyball standouts for Wayne State, Coach's kid. Um, this checks all the boxes, I think for what coach Frost is looking for, as far as what he wants to bring into the program, Nate, you saw him at the Warren Academy showcase event over the weekend. Second time you've seen him now. Yeah. What, what did you think?
3: Well, yeah, it, the first time I saw him, I, I I did not know anything about him. He was coming off of his freshman year of football uh, or his freshman year uh, of high school. And, and uh, he's out there with Thomas Fedoni, the nation's number one ranked tight end, uh, James Carney, who's a Nebraska signee, uh, Caden Helms, who has 25 plus offers, who's probably going to end up being a four star tight end. Uh, Micah Riley Ducker, four-star tight end. He, he's out there with all these highly ranked uh, tight ends that have offers from, to, you know, from multiple Division One programs, and he's more than holding his own with these guys. Not intimidated, he's getting work in. And, I mean, he really, really impressed me that day last, you know, last July. And um, then he goes out and he, you know, puts up about 800 yards receiving, 10 touchdowns as a sophomore. Um, you know, and and I got a chance to see him in person again this past weekend, and uh, once again, very, very impressive. He's got tremendous hands. You you said he's 6'6, 200 pounds. Um, he's got a great frame to continue to develop. But the thing is, is yeah, he's a no brainer. He's Um, a three sport athlete, he's a three sport athlete, and he's smart. Um, and he's all business. You know, this is the deal where. Uh, once again the timing of the commitment surprise maybe not necessarily that he picked Nebraska but the, just the timing and uh, you know from talking with him he said you know what I, I've always dreamt about going to Nebraska so why would I why would I wait and put it off any longer when I can just in recruiting not have to be burdened by any of that or distracted with any of that or or lead any other coaches on and and now I can be you know a leader in that 2023 class and and try to get other kids to join me in it so um, you know I, I think that's that's kind of refreshing to, to have someone who's not interested in, in all the attention and all the extra stuff that comes along with recruiting sometimes.
0: Well, lots to keep up on with spring practice, basketball, recruiting. Um, everything's going on right now. Make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com and Nebraska baseball, by the way. They are in first place right yeah. now in the Big Ten. Um, they're going to put a bid in to get a regional. Um, those decisions we made here before the season even ends. So, We may see a regional in Lincoln. So a lot of exciting news to follow with baseball as well as Blake Arney will have you covered for us all weekend on that.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.